The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. First full week of Chiefs training camp wraps up later this afternoon, but before that, we're going to get you caught up on everything you need to know from Chiefs training camp in St. Joseph, Missouri. We'll start things off on today's episode with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We answered some of your burning camp questions. After that, Out of Structures got a nice little camp preview to get you caught up on all of the storylines that you need to know. And then the Great British Chief Show went a little bit deeper into those camp storylines. After them, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, you'll hear from Chiefs Coast to Coast. They discussed Carlos Dunlap's possible impact ahead of him inevitably signing a one-year contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. They also got into the running back camp battle. After Coast to Coast, we're going to finish things up with Show and BK. We've got a little early season love infatuation with Juan Thornhill and Joshua Williams, who have been two of the biggest camp standouts so far. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we got through the news. We got through some of the takeaways from rookie and quarterback weekend at Chiefs training camp. It's eyes on Wednesday for the first full team workout and we'll be talking about some questions that we have some burning questions going into what is this first full team workout we've brought in steven serta but we'll start with the deputy editor john dixon john i want to start with you because before we got on the air you said you only had three so if steve and i go first who knows if if we take two right. of those three questions so let's let's get one from you to, oh, to start okay this wouldn't necessarily be my biggest one but i think this would be one that neither of you guys are going to pick and okay. i'm very interested in in this particular thing how many tight ends are the Chiefs going to have on the roster? You know, we, <laughs> I was not going to pick this. <laughs> uh, the the uh, we got Travis Kelsey for sure, and based on our previous conversation, Jody Fortson for sure. Uh, Noah Gray, you think they're going to? We we've got to think the Chiefs are going to give him a real shot to make the roster. Is Blake Bell the odd, odd man out, or do the Chiefs want to go back into this season with four tight ends like they did last year? Yeah. So they've got the option to put those four tight end sets on the field. Now, I would say they absolutely want to do that, but they've got questions at other position groups playing the numbers game where maybe they would have to say, no, we're just going to have to go with three this year. So that, to me, is a very interesting thing going into I, training camp is how this is going to end up in the tight end room. 
I think Chiefs training camp and, and training camps in general have battles, right? And mm-hmm. for me, Andrew Wiley versus Darian Kennard is a battle and one that we've talked about for a while now. But I think there's also these hidden battles. And the tight end room, when you have Noah Gray, who was a pretty good blocker for the Chiefs last year, and mm-hmm. you could save a spot by keeping a Gray over a Bell. Like to me, Gray versus Bell is a hidden battle that maybe even the two guys don't realize they're in, in, in a sense, where they just kind of both think, oh, you know, we're going back with the T-Rex, which is what they call the, the four tight end set, and we'll all be back here. I mean, I, I don't know if, if that is is a definite, just given the offensive depth on this team and, and wanting to keep even 25 and, and 20, 25 defense and 25 offense. In my first projection, I ended up keeping one more offensive player, which right. I didn't really feel great about, but I didn't know who to cut. Maybe it is. Uh, a tight end. I think another hidden battle, for example, and, and one that we really haven't talked about might be like Mike Dana or Josh Kando versus Frank Clark. Like what if Frank Clark just absolutely continues to stink, even though he's making a, you know, a lot of money still, even with, even with the pay cut, if Mike Dana just plays better, maybe they could unseat him. Would that be totally unfathomable? So within training camp, you have battles, but there's also, hidden battles. And I think you identified one there in, in Noah Gray versus Blake Bell. All right, Steve, let's continue to you. Uh, you said that you weren't asking the tight end question. You kind of sheepishly laughed at John uh, in your, in your first moment on the show. Uh, so what, so let's hear your, your golden payoff question here. here. Come on yeah. now. I just think there's a lot of questions to ask before we're going to get to who's going to make the roster at tight end. Um, so you mentioned Frank Clark and that's where I'm going to go. My question is just, what does Frank Clark look like? Because yeah. at the start of last season, he had multiple lower leg injuries that he said kept him out of shape and, and kept him from being effective until like halfway through the season. And now we've seen all these pictures in the off season of skinny Frank. He's been working out best shape of his life. They desperately need him to be a difference maker this season. Otherwise it's, you're banking on George Karloftis having like an otherworldly rookie year, which I don't think is good strategy when you're the Chiefs and you're trying to compete for championships. You need Frank Clark to be a huge difference maker, assuming that they're not going to bring in another pass rusher. So I really need to come out of camp this year feeling confident that Frank Clark is going to have a bounce back season. No, and and I I think that if the Chiefs are going to be as successful as they want to be this year, Clark is going to have to contribute. Now, you could have a defensive end room by committee, but the bottom line is no matter where you're getting the sacks, the Chiefs need to get to the quarterback more than they did last year. That could be by Frank Clark having 10 sacks and George Karloftis having 10 sacks. That could be by, you know, you have four or five guys having five sacks. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think the defensive ends need to be better. Is it a rotation? Uh, it w- they would certainly be helped by Frank Clark being a little bit more of the old Frank Clark than this new version that is not as shark-like right right john give him eight to ten eight to ten sacks that's what i need from you this year frank yeah well i think i think that's an excellent point and i i think part of the trouble too is going to back to what we were talking about before if i think that the chiefs were hoping to get some cap relief Hmm. by signing orlando brown to a long-term deal and i think one of the possibilities with that additional cap space would have been trying to work out a deal to trade for robert quinn Mm. Uh, and I, I think Chiefs fans would have been ecstatic yeah. if we found a way to uh, get Orlando Brown signed to a long-term deal and then bring in a guy like Robert Quinn. Now, I don't think Robert Quinn's going to have the season he had in Chicago last year. Right. 
he's a guy that I think would be a dependable edge rusher. And I, I think it might have been in the Chiefs' plans to take a serious look at that if they were able to get Brown signed up. But now that now that they haven't, they really don't have that option, unfortunately. I think what, what has been interesting about the Chiefs this year coming out of the draft and with all the, the acquisitions and, and the new-look team, if you, you look on draft weekend, they took two defensive players with their top two picks. But I feel like we talk more about George Karloftis than we do Trent McDuffie. And Karloftis was the later pick. And they traded up in the first round yeah. <laughs> to get Trent McDuffie. And I, I wonder why we're talking about him. And maybe it's because we know Karloftis is a day one starter. We penciled him in. We almost know that in his first year, he has to get. I mean, what's our baseline? I mean, he has to get at least five sacks to feel really good about the Chiefs front, right? I mean, I, even in a rookie, I, I think we can say that. Uh, but McDuffie, to me, it's going to be important. And I and I think my question here is, can McDuffie bounce back to what is going to be getting eaten up by Chiefs receivers early? Because this is a 5'11", 193-pound guy. He's a little bit mm. undersized. And I think he's going to struggle early because this is just – premier nfl receivers and a tight end in in juju and marquez who i'm i'm high on uh i think to an extent mccall but you're talking about jody fortson who we mentioned and then the best tight end in the league in, in travis kelsey i think he's going to get burned a little bit he's going to get hurt uh and gashed a little bit those first few days but is does he have the wherewithal to bounce back and then to sort of make make a name for himself and make his own and can gain confidence as training camp goes on into the preseason. Uh, an undersized cornerback, uh, you know, is one thing. I don't think the Chiefs draft him if they don't feel like he can rebound. But I, you know, I fully expect him to struggle early on with these world class receivers. And then to me, it's going to be okay in the day eleven and day twelves. How is he going to respond to some of that adversity? That's a good point too, I think, Pete. But here's here's what I would add to that. What if he does? What if he has that anivers- that adversity and comes back from it? We're yeah. talking about an all pro cornerback yeah. if in that case. So well, I, I mean, even, be even very with, interesting to watch. Yeah. Even without Tyreek Hill, uh, I still think these this receiving core is really strong. And so the the good thing that you get is is he'll be going up against good receivers. Now I don't know if we're talking yeah. about elite receivers anymore, but you'll definitely be going up against an elite tight end and really good receivers. And so you get out of training camp and you have that backbone. Uh, well, I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Steve. I was just gonna say, and I chatted with McDuffie's college coach, position coach, a couple of weeks ago, Will Harris. You can check that out on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, but. He called him, a, in his opinion, a pro-ready player because of the way he presses wide receivers and how aggressive he can be with the hand fighting and, and staying up on those guys off the line of scrimmage. I do think that we need to temper expectations on him a little bit as opposed to like a Joshua Williams, who you mentioned earlier has been kind of a standout player so far, and I've got high hopes for him too. I think McDuffie is going to be put in a much tougher situation early on in the season than a Joshua Williams is. So... I think as long as you see him growing as the season's going on, you should still hope that he's going to be a good player. He's just going to be well, that Spags outside corner who might be on an island early on and get picked on by these NFL quarterbacks. When you're five foot eleven, and and you know you are that size, the the first five yards is huge for you, right? And so right. we mm-hmm. we won't see a lot of the contact until Monday, not Friday, John, August one, when they put the pads on and they could really. <laughs> fight a bit and and he had he can get that advantage back of, of like you know a lot of times in these shorts practices you don't really touch each other so it's just running with each other there's not a lot of contact so beating each other up at the line will certainly help uh in what he does 
All right, John, let's go back to you for another question. Oh, I get another one. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, well, I'm curious about uh, whether or not Ronald Jones is Rojo. still on the roster when we get to week one. I know that Ooh. I know. Yeah, because he's going to make it. Well, I, you know, we had this situation once before with Carlos Hyde, as mm. you'll recall, where they bring in this free agent player who had been pretty productive at different points in his career. And they traded him away. Yeah. Before they got to the to the regular season because they had guys behind him to start training camp who turned out to be productive. I think it's fair to wonder if Pacheco can be that guy. Yeah, I I I wrote this in my 1.0 projections that I think the locks for the running back room are Clyde Edwards Zelayer and Isaiah Pacheco. I don't think they're drafting Pacheco in the seventh round after Brett Veach said there's a thousand yard rusher on day right. three. Right. Pacheco's not on the roster. So as you're trying to cut one of these offensive players, remember, it's been tough. I mean, if you really pull the roster up that I tried to make, I, I ended up keeping nine offensive linemen. The pass catchers are too good and the running backs are too good to really figure out. And I, I think that there's going to be a team out there that wants a Ronald Jones or Jarek McKinnon. I thought once they signed Ronald Jones, I meant the end of Jarek McKinnon. And then all of a sudden McKinnon was back here. And it's like, how do you make these numbers work? Right. I also think, so say, okay, so say you get rid of Jones or McKinnon, maybe in, in the form of a trade and Pacheco's the, the other back. Now, does that necessarily mean you're now just going to keep three running backs and Burton who we can write into the roster or are you thinking, well, let's move Ronald Jones for a day three conditional sixth round pick, depending on the rush attempts, and let's keep Derek Gore because Derek Gore might have shown enough tape for you where if you waive him, he might be on another roster. So maybe you're keeping Edwards Hilaire, McKinnon, Pacheco, right. um, and what would be Gore. So it's a very complex room. And you asked a good question, John, but I think there's a lot of questions that we could ask about oh, the sure. running back room. So, yeah, well, I was just throwing that out there because I think that's the one that would surprise people. But it's as I pointed out, it's not like there's no precedent for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time that Carlos Hyde was signed in the offseason, which, if I remember correctly, was before free agency started. He was, you know, he was rolling around before free agency started and they took him on. If you'd asked people at that point, is he going to make the, the roster? They would have said, well, yeah, of course he yeah. is going to be on the roster. And then he wasn't there. So I think it's fair for us to to throw out that kind of a possibility that maybe this isn't going to play out quite like we think. I, I do think there's a possibility of that. I, I think that where we could see Isaiah Pacheco have a big impact early season, and this is something to really pay attention to in training camp, is whether or not they utilize him as a return guy. Um, yeah, he, he's got the explosiveness for it. He did it as a freshman in college, but really didn't do it uh, the following years. So he, he's got experience doing it, but it's been a couple of years since he's done that. But he's the type of player that's got the athleticism to do it and the explosive playmaking ability to do it. So if they ask him to return kicks, then and he is good at it, especially in the preseason, then I, I think he was already a lock for the roster. But we could see him kind of work his way into the yeah. offense a little bit more if he shows some explosiveness in the return game. So Tyreek was the emergency punt returner, and then the Chiefs ended up lo losing Byron Pringle to the Bears, who was the kick returner. And I, I think if Hardman is more involved in the offense, which if there was ever a year, it would be this year, does he lose some of the returning duties? And then you have two vacant return positions that could go to some guy like a Pacheco, like a Sky Moore, if maybe he isn't going to be in the regular offensive rotation right away. Maybe that's where he, he does his damage in his initial year. Uh, Steve, I'll go to you for one more question and then i have one more 
So mine has to do with the wide receivers and really, I guess I just want to see which one of these guys is going to separate themselves a little bit during training camp. Like I know Pete has been really high on MVS. I'm not there. Uh, I don't believe that he's going to turn into this all around wide very, receiver. You're very, dis- you're a very disrespectful <laughs> audio producer. <laughs> I mean, when, when we just haven't seen it through his NFL career, I, I, I don't have, high hopes that he's going to be able to do it this season, but maybe I'm totally wrong on him. Maybe it is McColl stepping into that Tyreek Hill role and that, that, that role that he's kind of always been more suited for, but wasn't really able to do because of Tyreek Hill, or maybe it is Juju bouncing back, or maybe it is sky Moore. Like I, I just want to know for fantasy football and for myself in general, for this offense, like headed into the season, like which one of these wide receivers is actually going to be the guy that they can lean on when they need a play. I have a question about receivers uh, and you kind of stole my thunder. So I'm going to do this one question about receivers. Then I have two quick defensive questions and you guys can comment and then we'll close this thing down. because we're already over time. Of course, uh, in our return, we had a lot to say uh, since we've been off for, for one month, but uh, you look at Travis Kelsey, right? He's going to be on the field most of the time. The Chiefs also have Sky Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster, right? What's the commonality among these guys? They all, like, live in the slot. How many guys are you going to have in the slot? A million? Like, you can't have a million guys in the slot. Yeah. So if Marquez is your Tyreek role in, in that Z position, who's the other outside receiver? Because Juju and Sky, McColl, you can make a case, is best in the backfield on these orchestrated plays. You have Juju. Is the other outside receiver Josh Gordon? Are we just overlooking the idea that this is this big body is the other outside mm-hmm. receiver because these other guys live and eat in the slot? Is it is it MVS and Gordon? And you're going to see a rotation which is more like inside between with Kelsey and Juju and Sky and McColl and and I I wonder about that because to me he projects size wise as that other guy. I, I don't. I mean I I'm I think it's kind of insane to say after he was so quiet last year but i just when you're wrapping your head around the roster it's just who's the other outside receiver opposite mbs i don't know who that is so i'd 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 be willing to bet money that juju is going to play a little bit more outside this year he was playing a mix in pittsburgh but you can make a case that he was you know he's done his best work in the slot Uh, i'm sure they're going to give him an opportunity i know for a fact that he wants to play more outside but i i just Josh Gordon is lingering around, right? He's right around the, <laughs> the corner. year in the offense. It's finally the year. Could be, could be. Uh, oh, I think I think it's fair to question whether uh, Marquez Scantling, Valdez Scantling, is going to be the guy. I think well done. it's Marquez, and, and he'll tell you twice. Yeah. You don't get it right. Man. All right, Marquez. There you go. I know I he listens to the podcast. They haven't practiced these words for a while. So yeah, I know. Um, I know. After training camp practice, he he listens to the Airhead Pride Editor Show. So yeah, I want to make well, sure we get okay, that right. Sorry, Marquez. There I'm you go. Sorry. Very sorry. There so, uh, I think it's fair to question that, but I think that with him, he's in exactly the same situation that a player like McCole Hardman is in. Yeah. In Green Bay, he had this incredible receiver in front of him, and all he had left was table scraps. Right. And uh, now, I agree though that uh, there's only so many targets to go around, and maybe he isn't the guy that gets most of them. I think Pete's making a really fascinating point about Josh Gordon, though, because uh, you're right, Pete, that these 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 guys are all guys that have been most effective in the slot. And maybe that is what finally gets Josh Gordon on the roster. That's a very interesting idea. I like that. So I thank want- you so 
both for the for the questions. <laughs> I want to re-up a, a question that we said before, and this is just something that's going to be in my mind every day because I, I just think the Chiefs are a lot weaker until this is answered. When is Fenton coming off the PUP? I said it before, but I just wanted to re-up that one. And then finally, Leo Chanel, I, I know a lot of fans are hoping that he is the day one strong side linebacker in what would be the base, but I, I think the Chiefs are going to lean on to the veterans there and Elijah Lee and maybe a Jermaine Carter to start. Uh, so it's can Leo Chanel show enough in training camp um, that he gets Steve Spagnuolo to make an uncharacteristic decision and a mid-round player with little experience play him right away. I, I don't know if Chanel is going to be someone that we see a lot of toward the beginning of the year, but this is training camp. You can prove your, yourself. So I, I'm wondering that out loud. Is there any other burning questions that you guys have before we shut this thing down? Any, anything else? No. I- I just wanted to touch on what you were saying about Chanel and just in general, like I'm really curious about this group of linebackers, specifically Chanel, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Cause they seem mm. like they could be the three young core members of this linebacking core for, for the future here in Kansas city. And so I want to see how they utilize those guys. And I mm-hmm. agree with you. Chanel is probably not going to, have a role early on in the season because that's the way Spags usually rolls. Um, so it may be mid to late season before he gets like a starter's caliber amount of snaps or something like that. But I'm really excited to, to just see how they deploy these guys and how they're going to try to utilize them because for the first time in a long time here in Kansas City, it seems like they actually have some explosive linebackers. So I'm just excited to see them play football, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I It's, it's going to be an exciting camp. I just think this is a very different team than we've seen in a lot of years. I mean, most years you, you go into a season and, and there's a lot of familiar faces from the the previous year, whereas this year it, it really feels to me like this is almost a, a brand new team, especially offensively when you're talking about Andy Reid with new toys. I'm just excited to see what this offense looks like against very young defense and, and how Steve Spagnuolo utilizes his new guys as well. Well, with that being said, let's get into some just some rapid-fire camp previews. I know every podcast is going to talk about training camp, what to look for, who to watch out for. Uh, so we're just going to run through ours in a pretty quick manner. Uh, first of all, let's just start with who do you want to focus on in training camp? Uh, give me a player and a position group that don't have to match up here. All right, Sags. Well, I'm going to take your guy because I know you are kind of the, the leader of the, you know, the Clyde edwards Elair hype train of for AP. We all love Clyde. We all want to see him and Tim do well. But um, I, I do think this this training camp is going to be super important for him, right? We saw them bring in Ronald Jones. We saw them actually re-sign Jarek McKinnon, too. And there is some question to does that mean that maybe, you know, we, we the projection that I've had all offseason of him maybe becoming a bigger part of this offense you know, maybe having more of a third down role, maybe, you know, being a more impactful part of the, the passing game is that, you know, maybe, you know, not as, you know, maybe I'm, I'm thinking of a little too much for him. Um, we're going to see in training camp, right? Because, you know, this is where, you know, I think one beautiful thing about training camp is the Chiefs can't hide their intentions for the most part. They need to practice these plays at full speed. And if they want to get Clyde Edwards, a layer, you know, involved in, you know, more of the passing game work, more of the, you know, the, the situational stuff, you know, red zone, third down, you know, because Daryl was playing a lot of the situational stuff, you know, being a good pass blocker last year, you know, a very reliable receiver. Mahomes really, you know, trusted Daryl, obviously. I mean, he was throwing up 40-yard jump balls with a safety on him. Um, so if we can see Clyde, you know, I, I'd love to see, you know, how involved he is in the offense, you know, in, in terms of the first-team offense. Is he doing the early down stuff? 
Um, is he, you know, splitting out wide at all? I'd love to just see where Clyde's lining up stacks because I want to see him have a really good year. I think he could really make this offense a lot more unpredictable if he does get maximized the way we kind of thought he could out of LSU. Yeah, Ron knows the way to my heart there. Talk about Clyde. Uh, you know, I, I am looking forward to him having the opportunity to just, just sort of shut people up a little bit, right? Right. He, I think at this point he's slept on. He's he's underrated. Uh, we got people talking about how his he, his legacy is in question, about how he's, you know, one mediocre season away from being a street-free agent, uh, you know, signing a vet minimum contract. I've heard all kinds of stuff here. So, you know, this offense should be perfect for him. He should be healthy, full off season, ready to go. Yeah, he'll have complimentary backs around him, but but yeah, that that'll be fun to see him. Hopefully, take the reins and establish himself uh, as the guy there. So, if I had to name one player, uh, you know, it's it's a little tougher. I'm going to start with my position group first, maybe. So, okay, I'm going to be watching the pass rush because uh, we've said it before. Everything in this defense is predicated upon that pass rush. And they've done their best to build the secondary up, hopefully to give you know the, the the defense a little more balance and maybe give those guys a second or two more to get home. But all eyes should be on George Karloftis and Frank Clark, um, and and really, is there anybody else behind them that steps up? We still think there's probably a, a potential move that could still be made at defensive end at some point. Uh, so it may not be just those guys. But if you had to pick one guy off that list, yeah, Karloftis is going to be one to watch. I kind of feel like I have a good handle on what he's going to be. If he surprises me, great. But uh, Frank Clark's the one that that I think could really swing this defense in one direction or the other. If he's last year's Frank Clark, um, you know they're going to really struggle. If he's if he's prime Frank Clark, if he's the closer once again, then you know th- then they that could be. Uh, this could be a lot more fun. So, uh, is he skinny, Frank? Is he is he is he back to normal size? Uh, you know, does he show up? And and he's also known to be a fun guy to watch at training camp, just because he's very vocal, talks a lot of smack. Um, he's that you know he's up in people's faces. He's really pushing the envelope. So you know he's going to be he'll be a fun one to keep your eyes on if you're in St. Joe. Uh, look for 55 and, and you know, you, yeah. you'll get a kick out of him one way or the other. Uh, but hopefully he's looking spry and young once again. And I, and I wouldn't bring this up unless he, and, and uh, you know, only because he publicized it on his Instagram post, which I actually tweeted out um, a picture of Frank looking, I, I think he looks great. I think he looks in great shape. I don't think he looks skinny at all. And, and I, and I get what, you know, he doesn't look huge. He doesn't look uh, built, but the only reason I, I, I bring it up, bring this up another part of that instagram post was he said four months no liquor and like there is something to that right i mean if he if he truly is you know if that's something that he he truly you know it was part of his life and he's truly cutting out completely i mean you know that can really change especially a guy that we've known has you know had had some kind of some health issues that have kind of you know limited his his uh availability at times i mean there is something to that and and i'd love to see what it looks like in in training camp um you know if, if there is a more spry frank clark um, in a year where, you know, last year, you know, he didn't necessarily have that pressure, right? Where it's like, hey, we could cut you after the, the season because um, we could. The Chiefs didn't really have that option logistically, right? This season, I, I feel like he can have the, maybe that, that pressure a little more knowing that, you know, if he wants to continue to get paid like one of the best players in the NFL, 
he's gonna have to step up, step it up, you know, and, and he knows that. So it'll be interesting to see it starts in training camp. Well, who's what's your position group to watch? You if Clyde is your guy, uh, who's the position group that, that we should all be worried about? Well, you know, I'm sticking on offense and, and I got to go with my wide receivers because this is where I feel like we might we, we might be seeing the most turnover and probably the most significant position, right? I mean, there's a lot of turnover at a lot of positions uh, on this team right now, um, but wide receivers probably the most important when you're talking about in today's NFL uh, pass game. Mahomes obviously getting on track with these receivers. One thing that, you know, and, and we've talked about it a little bit, but it's just Mahomes has not had to deal with much turnover in his receiving core. You know, Sammy Watkins has, you know, he, he left, you know, but he was here for three seasons still. It's, it's something that he really hasn't had to deal with. D-Rob and Byron Pringle have always been complimentary guys for him since he started. You know, Tyreek Kills always obviously, and then obviously Kelsey is still here. So it will be interesting to see, you know, how well they jive. You know, that we don't know who's going to emerge. Right now we, we think we have some ideas, but we really don't know until till it goes full speed. You know, we don't know if, if, if uh, you know, McCall, I, I, I think McColl, you know, really has the leg up just because he's been here. But he also hasn't had the greatest reputation of having good chemistry with Mahomes on the field. We, we've talked about it. We've seen it on the field in games um, throughout his Keep career. Keep running, McColl. Keep running. Yeah. And, and if people can't see me, but yeah, Mahomes waving his arms, you know, tell. Yeah, exactly. And and so it'll be really interesting to see if, if that continues um, and which one, which receiver gets on the, the right page with the most. And, and I think that will tell us the most on who will kind of be that leading target getter maybe out of the receiving core. Yeah, you'll see the results of the Camp Mahomes uh, work that they got in the offseason. And, you know, I think that's why so many of us are high on Marquez Valdez scanning at this point because that chemistry has been there early on. They've been very quiet on Juju. They've been very quiet yeah. on Sky Moore uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, even even McColl, you know, he's he's out there talking now. And I love the confidence that he's bringing uh, to what he's going to do this season. And so, yeah, I I think that'll be a really fun group to watch. I'm not too worried about the chemistry just because some of those guys are new. I think uh, I think this is the time to build that. And they've been working on it this summer. I think it's just going to be exciting to see how they distribute the ball and what the offense can look like in this more theoretically more balanced approach that they're going to bring. So, yeah, and maybe it is. Maybe they've been, you know, purposefully keeping it quiet around certain players. And and like you said, at some point during the preseason, maybe they can't hide that anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, Juju's going to go off in a preseason game and they're just going to have to bench him if they want to keep <laughs> him quiet. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that, that'll be fun. And, and especially in camp, you know, receivers are, are fun to watch because especially the bigger receivers, those that can go up and get the ball right. every single year. Those are the guys that, that uh, bring the oohs and ahs out of the, the stands in St. Joe. Yeah. It's the easiest thing to watch probably. Right. Um, in, in terms of you're just sitting out there watching the, the practices, the easiest thing to watch is Mahomes connecting with, with his receivers for sure. Yeah. And, and, and real quick, before I, I move on to the next point, it, it, I, I do, I have said on Twitter and I, and I stand by it is that, I think Juju is probably the most talented of the receivers, honestly, the wide receivers right now. We don't know what Sky Moore is. Sky Moore might turn out to be a really talented player. Um, but I, I, I really think it's it's such a toss-up just because each player has such a different kind of talent. And I really think just because, you know, McColl, you know, his role and how it can expand, how he's already been in the offense, I just feel like it's going to be so spread out that it's not really about the talent, right? I think it's just about, you know, how the coaches want to implement them 
And that's where it's it, it's just going to be fascinating about kind of like we don't know exactly. We have an idea, but we don't know exactly how they'll be implemented. And it starts in training camp. So I don't know if you saw this, but Nicole Hardman laughed in response to the ESPN host suggestion that Chiefs could miss the playoffs this year because they were basically saying that it was going to be the strength. Obviously, the strength of the AFC West has been a big talking point this year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That the fact that. You know, other teams have loaded up now. The Chiefs seem to have got weaker, which we'll obviously get into a bit further on. But um, McCall was very much defending the kingdom in a way, uh, basically saying, yeah, well, okay, we've lost Tyreek Hill, but we're still the same team. We're still a team that is, you know, the team to beat. Um, we've still got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and we've still got, you know, Andy Reid. And, and, and mm-hmm. the, the whole the whole structure is still there, but people seem to be sleeping on us. Yeah, he made some good points, McCole. And there was one one point he made in particular about Tariq Hill dictating coverages and how mm. obviously defenders played so far off, they'd never enabled McCole Harbin really to to play deep. And they're hoping, and he's hoping now that now that Tyreek's gone, they teams go back to like a traditional style of defense. And he made a point is like, how are you going to be able to cover the amount of weapons that the Chiefs have? It's mm. not like it's not like before where the coverages were completely dictated by Tyreek Hill. It was stop Tyreek Hill and then deal with the others. Now it's just like, okay, we're going to play a traditional defense. We're going to play up. We're not going to drop our safeties 25, 30 yards back post-snap. It's we're going to allow our defenders to play. Well, then McCall mentioned this. If if players are going to do that, he's going to run right by them. Who else is going to run right by them? Marquez Valdez Scantling, and he's going to run past them. And then all of a sudden, if that they then start dropping off again, you've, you're in a position where the Chiefs have so much depth offensively in terms of receivers compared to 12 months ago that Mahomes is going to be able to pick his poison, pick his poison. Like it's 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 a good place to choose to be. And obviously, you would like someone like Tyreek Hill on the team. Of course, who wouldn't? He's he's a phenomenal football player. But this whole um, opinion that the Chiefs are going to get so much worse on offense, and we're going to talk about it in a story that just happened um, just happened on ESPN a few days ago. That because they lost Tariq Hill, I, I I just don't get it. Like they are in an excellent position, and McCall Hardman rightly feels confident about it. Yeah, I mean, you can understand the media getting all kind of blown up in the fact that they're waiting for the Chiefs' demise. That that that's clear, isn't it? They're waiting yeah. for the Chiefs to fall off this cliff. They think that because Tyreek Hill is no longer there, that it's coming soon um, and the chiefs won't be able to do anything to stop it because everybody else has kind of loaded up. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't see that. I mean, especially what we've seen so far in, in, in chief training camp, you know, we've seen some of these players, you know, really, you know, even the rookies really making some decent plays, you know, um, the, 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 the way that the whole um, setup is still, you know, we still got the same coaches. We still got the same head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, we still got the same program. For the players, um, everything else is still there. The glue is still there. And all we're doing is just adding to that. Am I expecting the Chiefs to be amazing straight off the bat? No. I mean, there's, there's going to be a gelling in period for sure. Yeah. But we're not going to be dropping off this cliff that everybody seems to expect. No. Um, it's just crazy talk. And well, I'm, I'm really happy that McCall actually defended uh, the Chiefs on that. Um, and McCall himself, he, he had a really good end to last season. Mm-hmm. He played really quite well in the back end, and he had a, in fact, he had a pretty good season, full stop. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do in 
what his fourth year now yeah. and he's obviously talking a good game but if you're going to go out and on do the national rounds and talk like that you're going to have to back it up and of course we see players all the time make it talking like that and not backing up but I kind of hope he does and there's a thing going to be rolling now for the next few minutes on this podcast we might as well just go through the stories one by one yeah. of people doubting the Chiefs and more specifically doubting like Patrick Mahomes like I don't know yeah. I I don't understand why people are bored of the Chiefs already. Yeah, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I like, I do. For me, it's like the Chiefs are so good and they are so entertaining with what they do offensively. Mm-hmm. Why don't you want to watch that? And it's not like they win championships every year. Yeah, they make the AFC Championship, but they're not, they're not like the Golden State Warriors where they were winning title after title after title. Okay, then the last one, but then title after. It's, it's not like that. Mm. They are just a highly entertaining team with a highly entertaining quarterback. But yet we're, we're in this silly season all of a sudden where people like are predicting that the Chiefs are going to be bad or knowing, like, like happily wanting the Chiefs to be bad. Like, I just don't, get it i really no. don't it, it's it's like you were saying it's like um I, I think the only team i can kind of compare it to in a different sport is probably the time when uh maybe the chicago bulls were were, were winning so many times yeah you know they they were such an exciting team to watch obviously you have the michael jordan michael jordan 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 <laughs> and scotty pippen and everybody like that yes i have watched that documentary on netflix um and i suppose eventually I suppose people get kind of get sick of that greatness. It's almost like as well. I mean, I, I'll admit I, I give yeah, but- Tom Brady quite a lot of stick. Okay. About being the luckiest quarterback of all time, which he is, but you've got to stand back sometimes and just go, okay, I admire what you've done with the game. I admire what you've done with that team. Um, and but those I- teams were boring. They were boring. Yes. Those teams were and boring. Tom Brady is a boring quarterback. Yes and no. Um, he's efficient. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's efficient. He's very good at what he does. Um, you can argue he's the best at ever at what he does. Luckiest ever. <laughs> but but the Patriots, they're always a bit boring. They were so methodical with what yeah. they done and like clinical, weren't they? It yeah. was yeah, exactly. They, they they just had that killer instinct where they knew exactly how to exploit other teams' weaknesses, and that's all they did. The Chiefs just play their game, and their game is just fun. Their, their, their offensive yeah. style is fun. Like think of all the big man touchdowns. Think of all like the the underhand plays to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey going in the quarterback. Like the soon to become behind the back pass from Patrick Mahomes. Like they are just they are just a fun team to watch. So I don't understand why you want this team to 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 be bad or yeah. why you like want another team to come overtake them. Yeah, you want competition, of course. We all want to see. Games like we did uh, back end of last season with yeah. Justin Herbert versus Mahomes, Josh Allen versus Mahomes. Of course, we we want to see that kind of kind of thing, but we don't want this team to be bad. Like the NFL is better for the Chiefs being a good and highly entertaining team, and to sit there and say that Mahomes is a one read quarterback or the the Chiefs playmakers are the sixteenth best in the NFL, the Chiefs <laughs> are going to fall out of the playoffs. Like it's just ludicrous, and I don't understand that way of thinking. It's just jealousy, I think. I think that's what it is. Um, Do you think, like, in the case of, like, for example, Marcellus Wiley, right, former Charger? Yeah. Um, do you think it's in the case of him? He he just still has so much anger in his veins from like them being a rival from before. Probably, probably, but I mean, on the other flip side, you've got Shannon Sharp who praises the Chiefs so much. That's and true. Mah- yeah. And and Mahomes boy 
Um, he says that so many times. He, he yeah, really yeah. is excited. I mean, the thing is what I get from Shannon Sharp, though, is he loves football. And if it's played the right way, he loves it even more. And he's really excited by the Chiefs team. But like you were saying, you know, Wiley, yeah, there might be some kind of, you know, animosity towards a, a, a former rival or something. But I don't know. I, I I think a lot of it just comes down to whether you're a jealous person or not. And if you're jealous of the of another team having great success or a great quarterback, then you're going to hate that team. I was similar with Tom Brady. <laughs> I'll admit yeah. it. I'll admit it. You know, they had so much, so much success. And I still can't get it out of my head that he's the luckiest quarterback of all time. Yeah, yeah but there's a difference between like not liking them and not wanting to do 12 than to like clouding your judgment like yeah. surely like when these people go onto these shows or whatever and make these takes they can't take themselves seriously when they're doing it no like, i think they just it, a lot of the time is stirring the pot and i mean it's it's for clicks it's for views isn't it a lot of the time but I, I don't know what it is espn seems to be getting really on the chief's case at the minute yeah i don't know if it's just espn or, or, or whether it's just i'm seeing it a lot from espn because they're reporting that but it yeah. just seems as though, I mean, putting Travis Kelsey second behind George Kittle at this moment in time was, yeah, is crazy. You, you, I mean, would you, if you were starting a franchise now, would you have George Kittle or would you have Travis Kelsey? Looking I absolutely would have now. George Kittle. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I absolutely would. You could, only, he's, only because he's a lot younger than Travis Kelsey. That's the only reason. That is the only reason. If, if you had to have both, from from the start of their career, I would absolutely choose Travis Kelsey. But if like, the whole Kelsey versus Kill um, argument two or three years ago absolutely was a debate, hundred um, percent. Now though, but now based on like post Super Bowl 50, uh, 54 production, yeah. then yeah, it's Kill you, hasn't you, got. You a leg can't to stand marry there. the two up, and you can Sorry? definitely you, you can't marry the two up, and you can definitely not put George Kittle above Travis Kelsey. I'm sorry, you can't. No, no. I've actually just read something a minute ago. Um, sorry, this show's a bit all over the place at the moment, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's flowing, so let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, I'm a poet, I didn't know. Um, Warren Sharp just tweeted about uh, tight end contracts and saying how it's disgusting that George Kittle and Travis Kelsey get paid a lot less than a lot of mediocre to average mm. wide receivers. Do you think there's never a time when tight end contracts will keep up with wide receiver contracts? I think the way that the players, the, the, the tight ends we've got now are shaping up to be more receiver kind of type players. Yeah. I think it's going to eventually be at that point where, yeah, you're going to be looking at like, I don't know, a 30 million a year. <laughs> Well, even tight a 20 end. million a year tight end. Would well, be yeah, nice. 20 million a year tight end. But even at that point, I think, like we were saying before in the last podcast, you know, how uh, where does the ceiling end? It won't end. And it'll just get higher and higher and higher. Yeah, yeah. It just takes that one player, doesn't it? And we've seen it with the wide receivers before where it was uh, Kirk, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Christian Kirk, who actually got the big deal. And then Devontae Adams got the big deal. Then Tyreek Hill got the big deal. It just takes that one. And I think if George Kittle gets a monster contract, He's only just been paid though, hasn't he? Yeah, I know, but it, just... it's it's one of those top end players that either George Kittle or Travis Kelsey gets that yeah, massive yeah. contract. It, that's when it sets the surge off, isn't it? So hypothetical. Let's 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 do some time traveling. Let's go back and do some <laughs> hypotheticals. Right, Travis Kelsey. Let's say three years ago was probably at the peak of his powers. 
And I feel yeah. like he's kind of stayed there, but let's give him a few extra years of playing. Post or the 2019 season, we offer Travis Kelsey what Tyreek Hill got from the Dolphins, 25 million. Would you oh. would you would you pay it? Honestly, I'd be begrudged yeah. to pay it. Really? Now it sounds crazy saying that right now because I mean, what, three years ago he still had what three straight seasons of, of one thousand yards, didn't he? Yeah. Um and I suppose with the fact that you've got Gronk hanging around as well, I, I don't know. I think the Chiefs would be begrudged paying it, but it'd be a wise move. Yeah. So that just tells me that you're not you're you and your head aren't ready to treat Travis Kelsey um good tight ends with as much fairness as wide yeah. receivers. And it's yeah. because, like, regardless, of, like, you're clearly not bringing production into this because Travis Kelsey has been one of the most productive pass catchers oh, yeah. uh, in the last six years in the entire NFL. Yeah. In fact, he probably has more yards than every other receiver since he entered the league. But you're not willing to pay him like that. And that, to me, is crazy. I, mm-hmm. I think we almost need to redefine the position of tight end where you have tight, tight end and not so tight end. <laughs> like, a loose um, end. So, yeah, loose, a loose yeah. end and a tight end. Yeah, so Travis Kelsey is a loose end. Blake <laughs> Bell is a tight end. Because, no, we've, just, we've just created a new position yeah, the, on the, the Great British Chiefs short. We've the, got a tight end, end and this, a loose end now. This entire new pay scale that Travis Kelsey <laughs> uh, belongs in because he's just a pass catcher. It was like, I can't remember the, was it Will Blackman, the player that used to play for the Jaguars back like, this, like seven or eight years ago, yeah. and his his position down on the depth chart was offensive weapon. <laughs> that, was, that was it. Do you know, if there was ever a position you would want to be called in your yeah. career, it'd be offensive weapon, wouldn't it? Offensive weapon. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's talk Carlos Dunlap, because that just came down uh, from Adam Schefter. I'll throw this up on the big screen as well. And it's something that uh, Chiefs fans have been wanting, D-line help. If if we're asking for a weakness, uh, that's probably the one going into camp. Uh, Eight and a half sacks last year with Seattle. Adam Schefter says he's visiting the Chiefs tonight. That is Wednesday night, July 27th. If I'm the Chiefs, I'm not letting him leave without signing on the, on the dotted line, Mark. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're looking at this D-line, and we talked about it pretty much all offseason, where that's the clear uh, weakness, especially when it comes to pass rush, right? And we kind of got uh, 
sidetracked or, you know, kind of got uh, distracted, I could say, when the Melvin Ingram situation happened. I don't think nobody really thought that he was going to leave like that. But, you know, he went to Miami, no state tax or whatever. So good for him. So that kind of left the hole as far as that veteran edge rusher, right? Because now at this point, as currently constructed, you're relying on a rookie in George Karloftis to really pop in year one. And you're banking on Frank Clark to have a resurgence, right? So that's kind of a scary uh, predicament to be in. So I've always believed that Brett Veach was going to add another veteran there. You know, there were talks about maybe trading for Robert Quinn, but that's unlikely now, especially since you didn't get the Orlando Brown deal done. So I think this would be a great addition. I mean, last year he had eight and a half sacks. And he's been a steady, you know, eight to ten sack guy over the past few years. Uh, I just saw this tweet. I'm going to put in the Jumbotron as far as his uh, pressure rate. Um, He had 35 total pressures on to what? 309 pass rushing snap ratio. So that's like 11.1. And that was better than any D-line starter than the Chiefs had last year or any role player. So, you know, it was more than Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram as far as his pressure rate. So, I mean, that's the instant upgrade right there. And he shouldn't cost that much. I mean, I would guess maybe one year, four to five million dollar deal. So, yeah, like you said, I would lock him in one arrowhead drive in before he signs on a dotted line. Yeah, and I know Robert Quinn was the, you know, the apple of Chiefs Kingdom's eye, I guess, for a while. And this just seems like the cheaper deal. It seems like the smarter route for, for Kansas City. And it fits what they've done in the past when you think of a Terrell Suggs type deal, when you think of a Melvin Ingram type deal, a veteran pass rusher, come in, one-year deal, uh, help bridge the gap between you know, the Frank Clarks and the Chris Joneses and, and some of those guys that you're expecting to make a leap for you this year, like a uh, Malik Herring or a Mike Dana, uh, Joshua Kando, this unit is not complete. And we knew, and we knew that not only coming into camp, but um, headed up into the trade deadline. I still don't think even if Carlos Dunlap signs tonight, I still don't think that they're done. I still think they could add another piece. Um, and, and it's a unit that, struggled at times last year but this is it's got to be an encouraging sign uh cdot made a joke saying uh, they had one practice and, and they had seen enough you need to call need to call help immediately but they were poking around and, and there were some other tryout guys i i would be remiss if i didn't mention them signing uh azur Kamara out of uh, ku yesterday that's also d-line help they're they're, they're trying out guys and it's gonna be uh gonna be a revolving door as far as trying to get pressure on the opposing quarterback yeah, and I mean, in today's NFL, we all know it's a pass-happy league. And, you know, as far as helping your secondary, I mean, that's the best way to do it, right? Especially with today's rules. I mean, DBs, that's to me, that's the hardest position to play, especially corner in football right now, because you really can't touch those guys. So, you know, it's hard to guard receivers in today's league for four, five, six seconds, right? I mean, like, eventually they're going to get open. So the best way to help a secondary, especially a young secondary, I mean, you're going to be relying on a Trent McDuffie in year one and even a Joshua Williams, who is, uh, according to all reports, has, is impressed so far at camp, right? So if you can get a pass rush, it, def- it definitely helps the back end a lot. And I think this move would make me feel a lot more comfortable uh, as far as the pass rush. I still wouldn't, I wouldn't be all the way there yet, but it would help me get there a lot quicker than I am right now. What else do you need to get there? You said, you know, this would help me feel more comfortable sleep at night because I know 
you uh, you have trouble sleeping at night thinking about the Kansas City Chiefs and what happened in uh, the AFC Championship game last year. What what would ease some of those tensions for you, for you, Mark? I know Carlos Dunlap is the first step, but maybe if it, it doesn't have to be specifically a name, but uh, maybe you, you would like to see something else they do before uh, week one. You just love throwing in that AFC Championship game any chance you get, man. Bet the it's, house! It's it's really ridiculous that we, we're we at training camp now, the new season, and you just can't let that go. But anyway, to answer your um, very uh, slick question here, as you were smiling and laughing as you asked me, uh, as far as names, it wouldn't be no other name at this point because I'm not sure who else you could get. Like, if you get Dunlap, I'm I'm content for right now, but to make me get all the way there, it's really going to have to be an on-the-field thing. Like, And that comes back to the rookie, George Karloftis. If George Karloftis gives me, I'll set the number at, what, seven or eight sacks, I'm happy. I'm happy. I think that's the win in year one for him as a rookie. Uh, he's going to have to learn the, the speed of the game. You know, I saw Frank Clark. It was a clip where he was teaching some of his moves to uh, Karloftis, which I know, I know we like to joke about Frank Clark, but you know, he, he still is a veteran in this league and he's had some success in his career. So it's good to see him uh, taking that leadership role, teaching him some tricks. But yeah, it ultimately comes down to George Karloftis and how much you get from him in year one. That's a lot of expectations to put on a rookie. I mean, you think seven to eight sacks is unrealistic? No, I don't. I don't think that's unrealistic. I think that's probably the sweet spot. I mean, if you're getting four and a half from from 55, then eight from your from 56 would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. I like if you know, you know, I like I'm the betting man on this show. Like if I were to set the number for George Karloftis sacks, I think you would set it at six and a half. You said six and a half? Six and a half, yeah. I'll take that I'll take the under on that. You take the under on that? I'll take the under on that. Since you're the betting man and we're putting things on wax now on uh <laughs> I think he gets I think he gets at least seven. I think he gets seven. Hey, sir, to clip this, and then at the end of the year, it's gonna be one of the many, one of the many bets that Mark Gunnels is gonna have to pay off on the Coast to Coast podcast on Arrowhead Pride. I got another number for you. We were talking a lot about Clyde Edwards Alaire. Quick stop for him on the pup list. I know the sky was falling on Twitter timelines for five minutes. Uh he practiced on Wednesday first. Yeah, you see my emergency space? You were in there for a little bit. <sighs> see, you see this is what I'm saying. You don't do spaces. You only do one or two spaces, but then you emerge. <laughs> and you were a voice of reason. I expected you to be. I expected you to be carrying the pitchfork, ready to burn down the CEH jerseys all around town. But you actually, uh, you actually seem like a, a, a calming voice in the room. Yeah, man. Of course. That's, I, I'm always. I'm always that guy. I mean, what are, what do you expect? I don't even know. Did we get like an official injury designation for for why Clyde was on the pup list for six hours? I didn't see anything. I was going to ask you that. I didn't see anything. <laughs> only thing I saw was he's not on the pup list anymore. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it seemed more. It seemed more like a formality. They're kind of messing around with the roster spots and doing stuff. Uh, he's back, and I actually took the average of his first two years yards per scrimmage. It's 873 yards per scrimmage over his first two years. That's the average per year, I should say. Um, so how, we talking over-under. Would you go over-under 800 yards per scrimmage for CEH this year? So the question you have to ask yourself when you're um, coming up with an answer to this question is, how many games do you think he's going to play? 
I mean, if you were to tell me he's going to play all 17 games, then that's an easy over, right? Or even, I would say, 14 or 15 games. But if he plays, what, 10 or 11, then I'll go with the under. So it really depends on just luck, honestly. Like, where do you think he's going to be health-wise? So I'm going to be optimistic and say he plays more than he doesn't. And I'll say he plays about 14, 15 games-ish. And I'll go with the over. I think, and we've talked so much about this, the, the retooled wideout room on this show. I mean, the running back room, to me, is one of the most interesting position battles and, and groups to watch as we follow the team and training camp in St. Joe. CEH, Ronald Jones, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, to me, in my opinion, uh, are locks to make the roster. Ely is someone who else, I think, um, could make a supreme splash on the roster. And Jer- I forgot to mention Jarek McKinnon as well. He's definitely a lock on the roster. Do they carry four running backs? Do they carry three running backs? Do they carry five running backs? Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot going on in that running back room. Uh, I think Clyde and his health, obviously, is something we're going to be monitoring all year. But any time where he is uh, limited, I think Pacheco takes advantage of those, of those extra reps. Yeah, I'm leaning towards four right now. I think the three locks, CEH, Rojo, McKinnon, and I think Pacheco would be like that fourth slash special teams guy. You know, with his speed, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he does any type of punt returns, kick returns at times. I know it's kind of an open spot right now. So, yeah, I'll go with four as of today. I think Derek Gore would be on the practice squad. The Chiefs really like 10, and uh, even in that behind-the-back Mahomes video, you can hear Eric Bieniemy working with him on his footwork and, and working with him, um, trying to get him up to speed. Somebody let it slip. Uh, that and someone, Not somebody didn't let it slip, but somebody reminded me that Brett Veach let it slip, that they consider him a 1,000-yard rusher after the draft. I think that's something – I mean, that's crazy for a GM to say – about a rookie before before he even shows up to camp. Uh, I also think when a guy gets number 10, Mark, he doesn't end up on the practice squad. That number 10 is going to end up being in the Arrowhead Stadium this year. All right, like, listen, with camp get started here, everybody looking at surprises, right? Many of you all had dreams of Justin Ross being that surprise. Well, uh, not a chance. I will never but, forget that three months of Noah Gray, or one month really. Of oh, Noah yeah, Gray the White Stallion. So many people. Great White There Hope. are a couple of guys, and let's particularly look in the secondary, that are starting to stand out. And that is Joshua Williams, and that is Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill becoming the new love, the new love for, for Steve Spagnola. I don't, I, listen, I think they potentially may need them both, and it is good to see – what for the Chiefs, it is good to see uh how their camps have started because they're they're gonna need those guys potentially to be players. So, Ron, I can't be hurt yet by Joshua Williams. I was there at camp. Do you remember Herb Miller? Uh yes, I refused. <laughs> I refused to allow Herb Miller to get me. Punk Pete Sweeney. <laughs> Pete Sweeney, uh, Serta's boss, he would he would love him some Herb Miller. 
Herb love Miller. him some Herb Miller. Would try to call in our show every week about Herb Miller. He so did. I didn't he get spent a whole up. training camp every week dropping Herb Miller. I would you know why? Got- he was starting. He started camp as the starting cornerback, and he looked okay at least at first. And then you know what happened, Ron? By the end of camp, Herb Miller was no longer a piece of that roster that was going to do anything of significance for the Chiefs. So. I'm not saying that Joshua Williams is Herb Miller, but I'm not allowing Joshua Williams to hurt me just yet. I'm not buying in yet to that hype train. Well, I've been One Thornhill, <laughs> I can be – that. that is my hype train that I am the captain well, of. Well, come on. You got run, to stop. You've been the captain of Juan Thornhill's train yeah, for three years. Exactly. I mean, so why, why step off now? All aboard. Choo-choo. Let's go. Jump on in. The water's warm, boys. Run. Tell me why, though, you are on the Joshua Williams hype train. Listen, one, I think, I, I think it's, it's, it's a need, and he, he, you know, he's that guy that has the measurables. Did you listen to my interview with this college coach, James Lott? You can find you it on me, the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Ever. Do you want me to be honest right now? <laughs> There's not a chance in hell I'm listening to James Lott. I don't know who he is. You got an interview with Ronnie Lott. He's the, he's the DB him. coach of Fayetteville State. Yeah. God, man. I, I'm sorry. I'm just not into that. But there are folks here that are. I'm not into Jim Lott. But I didn't listen to it, but okay. I've watched him. He's got the measurables. And, like, I, I love watching. He steps up to the challenge. Like, he is, he is, he is into let me check. Let me check. Travis Kelsey, because they got another guy over there in Lonnie Johnson who's still having nightmares of that playoff game when he got when he got burned by Kelsey for 10 catches and 100 something yards against uh, when he played for the Texans. This kid is stepping up and wanting it. And then I see Travis Kelsey responding. "Mm, Nice. He just has the length. He has something. And there's a void there with 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 with, with Ward out in, in San Francisco now. Can he can he feel that? And I, I think that's a spot where they need some help. And I I just like his his competitiveness. Kind of reminds you of Rashad Fenton a little bit. How he how he's into it. And I I just like I don't know why I've, I've sucked I've I've set up and watched a little too much, probably a little too much of his college and now uh, some of his stuff during during camp so far. I've, I've probably watched a tad bit too much and and found my even when he gets burnt. I've 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 been into it. So happened. yeah, uh-huh. it yeah. happens. Yeah, he, I get, he got burned today, but that's okay. I'm, I I'm even more. I wasn't head, head over heels for oh for God. him in the secondary than you oh. are. I'm, yeah, you I'm already out to talk to Jim as being one of the best young secondaries in the NFL. James. Okay, well let's I've made that job now. All right, slow down, cowboy. You said you said what? He said one. Of, I'll say it for you again. <laughs> one of the best young secondaries. What does that even mean? One of I the know. best young. It's just I'm I'm I I've been doing all these interviews with all these college coaches for all these players that they drafted, and I've just I've just fallen in love with draft class. I'm just that's one of the one most of, Chiefs people now. That's fine, but what is the best? One of the best young secondaries. What they is got that? a bunch who, of youth, and they're good. Who who, who else is up there with them? Um, as one of the here. best, who are they competing with? Would Buffalo young... be considered to be young at this point? Yeah, Tredavious yeah. White yeah. seems pretty. I mean, it... Tredavious is the veteran there, but they've got. I mean, Micah Hyde and, 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 and Poyer; those are those are pretty older Broncos. guys. Yeah, yeah. Simmons hasn't been around that long. 
I mean, what are you talking about? Yeah. You just made up a yeah. you just made up something. Like if you're gonna say one of the best yeah, secondaries corners, uh, or one of the surprising secondaries, I'll get you one of the best young secondaries in a game. Like who else? It's who really else the I mean, other. It's just I, I think he's right, but I'm just not sure what their competition is for this award. Yes, I don't know like, who, who else do I have that to it's run just, up the it Giants? Was just the first adjective I threw out there because the Chiefs happen to be young in the secondary. This is an award that I didn't know the Chiefs wanted to win that now suddenly I'm not sure who else is up for said award. No, they might be the best young secondary. Okay, now, yeah, yeah they stick into be. it. Don't say might. <laughs> Don't say might. Just say it. This is the best young secondary in football. I mean, Here's yeah. my question. On Joshua Williams specifically, what do we what need we him, him to be? J-Dub. God bless it. What do we need him to be this year? Like, if he is what Charvarius Ward was early on in his career, I push the button right now. Is that a win for the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I just need him to not be standing flat-footed the way that who who the hell was that was in that Buffalo game that just got turned around on one of those touchdowns? Who the hell was that? Is that not Mike? Oh, Mike uh, Hughes. I just yeah. need him to not be standing flat-footed like Mike Hughes in coverage. Like, can you can you can you can you do that? Can you be that? Listen, I, I'm not going to go crazy and ask and ask him to be something that I don't think he can be yet. But can he be a solid guy and get and start like Rashad Fenton? You remember Rashad Fenton before he got injured, like competitive guy that wasn't afraid against anybody, and you felt pretty good about him. That's what I'm hoping potentially he can be. That 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 that's it. I, I'm not asking for him to be. I'm not even having the expectation he's a starter or that he is Traverius Ward, he steps in for that. I'm just, can he be a guy pressed in like Mike Hughes, just like or, or like Baker was at times, and be able to hold up better than those guys? I think and he from might what be I've a seen starter, early, by the way. Like, the, he, he might be asked to step in might, earlier than might. expected. And he might. That That's all my expectations, and I'm not going crazy like you are about Juan Thornhill. It feels like you're you're in Pro Bowl level of Juan Thornhill. Why wouldn't Thornhill. I be? Uh, but, I mean, that's that explains the one thing is is happening it's it we know that that's a verified fact because spags doesn't say that if he's not truly impressed with one one is going to have an all pro season now i've got one expectation for one thornhill this year and it is that he's making the pro bowl did you see this quote from steven steve spagnolo quote the guy who has stepped up in leadership is one Thornhill. I'm talking about out here from a communication standpoint. He's running the show. He's kind of taken that upon himself. <laughs> Ron, I'm all in. Like J- Justin Reed's going to be a lot of fun. I think that guy's a stud. I absolutely love listening to his press conferences. That guy is exactly what they needed to add this offseason if they were going to lose um, Tyron Matthew. If one Thornhill is what he was as a rookie, Sir is right. This is going to be one of the best young secondaries in the NFL. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to. I, I think I like Juan Thornhill. I think he's he's potential to do. Hulk. No, I do. I, I I like Juan Thornhill, and I don't think we've seen the best in him any anything close to it. My problem is, I I don't want to. I'm not encouraged when I hear Steve Spagnola praise him because Steve Spagnola, the last person he praised like this was Dan. 
Okay. And, and the okay. last person he Come just on. praised was Dan, and he saw things in Dan that nobody else did. And I'm just going <laughs> to hold unfair. off. I'm no. just going to, it's not unfair. I'm, I'm not letting hold you do off. this. I'm not, just, I'm just going to hold off by leaning in to, ooh, look what Steve Spagnola had to say about him. He also, he also would say things like he felt like Dan Sorensen was a difference maker back there and just kept playing. So no. I like Juan Thornhill and think he has, I even think he has a chance to play at a Pro Bowl level. But I am not cinched and not saying, whoo, look at what Steve had to say about him. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Go run back some of the dumb stuff that Steve used to say about Dan Sorensen. So let's calm down. But Dan I couldn't wanna... play. That's a, the, the reason why I think this is unfair what you're doing but here. But Steve thought he could. But we know Juan Thornhill like can. That, that's the difference is we know Juan Thornhill, the, the, the playing football part when he's confident and healthy and his knee is like in one, it's like re- reconstructed correctly. We know he can play the game at a really high level. The guy do is we crazy know he can, Do we know he can play it at a Pro Bowl level? I haven't seen that consistently. Yes, at the yet. end of his 2019 season, I think he was playing legitimately at a Pro Bowl caliber level. And then he got hurt and everything changed. And I don't think he's been the same guy since. This year, if he is healthy and he is confident, and this is why I do think this quote matters, is because if he is back there communicating really well, really well, if he is back there showing those leadership qualities, Ron, I think this was the question about Juan Thornhill for the coaching staff. Is like, is he back to being that guy? Is he going to be that guy? If he is, man, I couldn't be more all in. If there's one guy that I would bet on right now, like I'm putting my BK stamp of approval, which just became a thing, on any one player on the defensive That's side of the ball going into this wow. year. It's Juan Thornhill. I'm I I could not be more all in on him having a big season this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I, listen, I, I and listen. I'm excited about him. I I think he he can be that. I just need I just need somebody else to say it. I just like for me, it is it is just not when I hear it from Spags. Like all, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. So who's the cornerbacks coach? Maybe it's, if it's we hear from Merritt, from Merritt or is it Dave Merritt? Yeah. Or is it, who's, who's the secondary coach? Like, let me, let me hear it from, from them. And I, I, I'd feel better, but he said some delusional things about the, about Dan Sorensen that he I'm not just being nice. Say. He was just being nice. He knew Dan. He was up. being nice. He, he was Dan being nice up. every, he knew he was being nice every week. And then he was also playing him in a way that matched the things that he would say about him in his delusions. <laughs> well, so, then we know Juan Thornhill is going to get the opportunities this year. This is a good thing. Yeah. 